Have you ever been to a funeral or a memorial? Certainly, if it's for someone that you loved, that you cared about very deeply, that was close to you, and that person uh, was a Christian, you had no doubt about where they were headed in, in eternity. There's a different, very different mood, if I can just put it that way, in that kind of memorial service, in that kind of funeral. Uh, it, it's not so dour. It's not so sad. It is, there, there is a bitter sweetness to it because there's going to be an empty place for that family. There's going to be a, a voice missing. There's going to be an empty chair. But, but there is a hope to it, right? And a, a lot of times when I hear or when I perform a sermon, uh, that kind of a service or I'm a part of that kind of service or even if I'm just a witness to that kind of service, you'll hear the phrase, it's not goodbye. We don't come here to say goodbye. We come here to say, we'll see you later. And I love that. It, it, it reminds us of the reason for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. For the past several Sundays, we have been in a series called When God Showed Up. And we've been talking about the first time, the moment, when God stepped into our world. We call the theological word is the incarnation. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we do that because there's four whole chapters in this book devoted to that story. And there's a reason that that happened. And there's a reason that God in the fullness of time set his son forth, born of a virgin, born of a woman, into our world. And that's what we've been talking about the past three weeks, that moment when God showed up, when Jesus, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, and it was announced by angels and, and, and was surrounded. And we get parts of that story wrong. You know, we, we, we think there was three wise men. Well, the scripture doesn't say that. And we think uh, that the, the, the Magi showed up on the night he was born. But the scripture doesn't say that either. There, there's a lot of particulars about the story that we get wrong just because culture's kind of interjected some things. So we look at that story because... It's important to know, we don't know when Jesus was born, but the important part is not when he was born, the important part is that he was born. 33 years of life on earth, as was already said this morning, it's not just about his birth, but about his life, his death, his atoning sacrifice for sin, and three days later, his glorious resurrection. And that's why we have the hope that we have. So when you and I think about God showing up, we might think about when God showed up and, and that being a moment of fierce, intense anger and judgment and retribution and, and all of that for our sin. When God showed up, He came to save us from our sin. And that was 2,021 years ago, more or less. God showed up. But God didn't stay. Now, he was only here for 33 years, and then, just as he said, he was crucified, killed, and resurrected. And he appeared to many witnesses. And, and Jesus wasn't unclear about this. 
he told his disciples it was going to happen. In fact, let's look at a few of those. John chapter 14 is the first one. Before he leaves, he has this moment with his disciples. John chapter 14, if you don't know where it is, pick up a pew Bible, turn to page 1156. If you know where it is, good, turn to John chapter 14. I don't want you to take the preacher's word for it. I just need you to hear from God's word because that's the word that you can 100% trust. John chapter 14, 1 through 3. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go, now he's telling them, I'm getting ready to leave. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Just one book over. You're not familiar with the New Testament Just turn one book over, and if you need a page number, go to page 1,166. Because this is the moment, okay, John 14 is before he was crucified. Acts chapter 1 is after he was resurrected. Acts chapter 1, Luke records this. He says, and when uh, he had said all these things, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the end of the earth. Verse 9, when he had said these things, as they were looking, he was lifted up. Now, just if you've ever been in an awkward conversation, here's one where Jesus is saying, you're going to be my witnesses. And as he's going, all of a sudden he starts kind of levitating, doing this thing. And I may imagine they're just stunned into holy silence. What is happening here? We have seen Jesus do some things, but never this. And as they were As he said these things, they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Verse 10, and while they were gazing in the heavens, we get this picture, they're kind of looking, because that's what you do, because he just disappeared. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said this, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You see, Jesus didn't say goodbye. He said, I'll see you later. Now, that's been a long see you later. But this is the last unfulfilled promise of Scripture. All of the other prophecies and promises of Scripture concerning Jesus have been fulfilled. Don't let anyone mislead you. They've all been fulfilled except one. And it's this, it's the last great promise of our last final hope. And so today, we're going to talk about that day because that final day and the day when Jesus entered into the world are actually very similar in how they happened. The first is, they were promised long before it happened. And we talked about this when Jesus entered the world. Prophecies in Isaiah, in Micah. I mean, hundreds of years, centuries before Jesus came into the world, the Scripture was telling us again and again and again, who this man will be. Who Messiah will be. 
And so they shouldn't have been surprised. It was promised long before it happened. They knew even where he would come from, from Bethlehem, from Nazareth. They knew who Jesus was. They didn't know his name, but they knew that the Messiah was coming, and the scripture was clear about how he would come. When he came, it was announced by angels. Now, at that moment, in Luke chapter 1, the angel announced it to Mary and Joseph. The angels announced it to the shepherds. Okay, but the angels made this proclamation that someone special had come into the world. On that day, <laughs> when Jesus returns, it won't just be to a few shepherds standing off in a field watching their sheep. It will be to the entire world. First Thessalonians chapter 4 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. So it was promised long before it happened. It was announced by angels, and it was unexpected until the very moment that it happened. Jesus said often again and again that he would come like a thief in the night. Now that's a good picture. A thief in the night is not someone you expect. And for a lot of people, it's not someone you desire there. When Jesus comes back, it will be a surprise to many people. And for many people, it will be a day of terror and fear and dread, like a thief in the night. But there will also be some differences in that day. Not everyone knew when Jesus came into the world that night when he was born in Bethlehem, that, that night when Jesus came into the world, just a few, just maybe a handful of people were aware of it. The angels still announced it. But when he returns, everyone will know. Turn to Matthew if you're following along in your Bible. We're going to have a lot of scriptures this morning. If you're a, a fast scroller and a fast page turner, then great. If not, just be prepared to write them down. Okay, or get the podcast and listen to it later to get all the references. Matthew 24, verse 27, Jesus is talking about two different events, and people get these events confused. The first is the destruction of the temple, which will be about 40 years later in 70 AD. But the second is about the end of the world, and that day no one knows about. No one knows the day when that's going to come. And he's talking about these two events, and a lot of people get these two events mixed up, and they interchange them. But he says this about that day, about the end. He says, for as the lightning, this is verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The book of Revelation in the beginning of Revelation, and there's a book that people misconstrue all the time, and they take a, a lot of symbolic language and try to interpret it literally. But John is talking about things that are both shortly come to pass and to remind Christians of all ages of the eternal promise. And he says, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. I've often thought about how that's going to happen because we live in a round world. So how, in the, how is Jesus going to come? What point can he come when everybody all around the globe can see him? Well, God's going to work all of that out. <laughs> I think if we had something happen within the, 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 the 
edges of the universe that was so big and so powerful, we would all see it. We would all be enveloped by it. Or there's a possibility that we might just have certain devices where when something major happens, every eye can see it. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that's going to be. God's going to work all that out. The scripture says when he returns, every eye will see him. Now, now, the first time that he came, it was to bear our sin. He came into the world. Somebody mentioned John 3.16 this morning. The, the, the really cool verse is verse 17. For God did not send his world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came. Hebrews 9 verse 28. If you're turning in your Bibles, go to page 1,286. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ... Having been offered once to bear the sins of many, Hebrews 9.28, he will appear a second time. Now note this, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The first time was to bear sin. The second is to bring judgment and salvation to those who are eagerly waiting on him. A judgment's coming for all of us. And, and the only way to stand in the judgment is to be in Christ. Period. On that day, if you're not in Christ, it doesn't matter how good you are. Um, as a preacher, only preachers can identify with what I'm about to say. When I'm talking to someone I've never met before, and we're introducing ourselves and kind of doing this back and forth thing, and eventually it gets around to the what do you do question. And the what do you do question is a gauge, right? You want to figure out what they're interested in, what they're good at, what their skill sets are. And so when I say, and they say, what do you do? I say, well, I'm, I'm the preaching minister for the Northside Church of Christ. And they hear that preaching minister, the preacher, the preacher. Some people react with shame, like I'm some sort of holy man. I am not. Ask my wife. Some people react with a, what I call, straightening the tie effect. Oh, a preacher. Well, my wife and I, so-and-so, have been members of so-and-so church for X number of years. We we give and and, and we do all sorts of good things. And and they they rattle off a list, and I don't mean to be rude, but that doesn't, I mean, that's great. (laughs) But that's not what's going to matter on Judgment Day, is how good I think you are. What's going to matter on Judgment Day is if you know Christ Jesus. And more specifically, if He knows you. That's what's going to matter. Outside of that, you cannot stand in the judgment that's coming. No one will. The only way to survive that is to be in Christ. And that's what He's returning to do. The first time... He came to dwell with us. God with us. He made our home with us. He walked and talked with us for 33 years. The people of Nazareth watched him grow up. The people of Jerusalem knew him. They heard about this carpenter's son. They knew who he was. He came to dwell with us. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. But the second time, the second time he returns, he's not coming to stay. Now, some people get this confused. There's a lot of what we call premillennial doctrine, which is not very biblical doctrine. And this sermon's not all about that, but just to say the scripture is quite clear that when he comes, it's for one purpose 
to take us home. Uh, you, you have this moment in, in Christmas celebrations and things like that where you, you, you're, 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 you're all together there as a family. <laughs> Yesterday we were at Christie's side of the family and uh, we were doing a, this had never been done before, may never happen again, I don't know. Um, they thought, well, you know, everybody's sitting and staring at their phones and so one of the cousins said, hey, I've brought two Christmas puzzles that we're going to do together. Now, these are no small puzzles. These are a thousand-piece puzzles. And they split them into teams, and they had a little prize, and it was all sorts of fun. Three hours later, (laughs) my children are like, Daddy, what did we do wrong? But there was this moment after, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, it, it was a good time. We really, I mean, it was, it was fun. And uh, we, we all enjoyed that time together. After we did that, there was this kind of collective, after we, you know, the fine, our team won, of course. And, 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 and after we had finished the puzzle, everybody kind of collectively, without saying a word, said, okay, it's time. Sometimes if you're going somewhere with your spouse and, and they want to be there and you don't, and you have this little look that you give one another. Or maybe a quick text. It's time to go. When Jesus comes back again, it will not be to establish an earthly kingdom. It will not be to create paradise on earth. No, this whole world will become kindling for a very intense fire. And when Jesus comes back again, it's going to be, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. To a world that is sinless and perfect, where there would be no more crying or pain or suffering. There'll be no hospitals. There'll be no need for doctors. It'll be perfect. The old order of things will have passed away. That's the home that he went to prepare. And when he comes back, that's the home that he's going to take us to. And when he comes, we need to be ready. There's not going to be any rapture. There's not going to be any earthly thousand-year reign. There's not going to be a single antichrist. The the scripture speaks of antichrist in the first century, and there was a multitude of antichrists. There's not going to be any Armageddon. Now, there's going to be one moment when Jesus comes into the world and says, however he says it, come home. Come home. And in that moment, for those who are not in Christ, it will be a terrifying day. When Jesus returns, the dead will rise first. Those who are waiting in Christ, those who who went and died and are waiting on His return, those people will rise, and then we who are in Christ will rise next. You ever wonder about that day? You ever wonder what it will be like Will you be alive? If you are alive, what will you be doing the moment he shows up? Where will you be? And how will your, will your heart respond? Go back to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 20, He's describing with great symbolism many things, and then he, in a symbolic ways, describes something that we cannot imagine. 
verse 11 of Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged. And each one of them, according to what they had done, the death, then death and Hades, that's the realm of the dead, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Scripture is very clear that the day when he returns will either be a great, a day of great joy or a day full of terror and dread. And if Scripture is true, and I believe that it is, then the question is not if Jesus is going to return. The question is simply when. And the answer to that is we don't know. Scripture never tells us when Jesus will return. And Scripture never tells us, oh, there's going to, you know, there are people that make a living and sell a lot of books and do a lot of seminars saying, well, these world events ascribe to be here. And right here you will see this coronavirus, and that is the third plague from the bowl of Revelation. That's not what Scripture's trying to say at all. Point is, be ready. Be ready for that day. How do we prepare if we don't know when that's going to happen? If, if I told you a thief was coming into your home in the night, but I wasn't going to tell you when that would happen, how would you prepare? You'd get ready. Now, I don't know, maybe you'd put extra heavy locks on your doors. Maybe you'd put things in the sliding glass door, or, or you get an alarm system, or you get some personal protection. But in some way or another, you would prepare. Maybe some of you would sit with a 12-gauge in your hand on the couch, eyes wide open, and just wait and drink lots of coffee. I don't know. But in some form or another, if I told you it was going to happen, you would, if you were smart and wise, you would get ready. Well... When we think about the, the day when God shows up again, that's what we got to do. We have to get ready. The first way in which we respond is to get ready. So let me ask you a very pointed question. It's a question for you to answer, and I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud. And this is for the online audience as well. If you guys can take the shot and just zoom in, because I got to ask you a question. And the question is, personal, and you have to answer it for you. The question is not, is your grandmother ready? Is your family ready? Is your spouse ready? The question is, are you ready for when Jesus returns? Matthew chapter 16, and this is also for the online audience. Are you ready For when Jesus returns, Matthew chapter 16, for the son of man, this is verse 27, the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. 
You see, without Christ, no one will stand in the judgment. And so the first question I have to ask you is, are you ready? Are you ready? The illustration has been used many times, but it bears true. If you fly somewhere, maybe you're flying somewhere tomorrow, the next few days, or you've been flying or something, and they give the safety instructions, which we've all heard, and, and no one pays attention to. And they say, listen, if something happens and this cabin depressurizes, these masks are going to fall from the ceiling. And they have the stewardess up there with the, you know, with the mask, and they show you how to do it. And we're all on our phones. We're not, nobody's paying attention, right? But in the moment, when your plane, for whatever reason, depressurizes, and simultaneously hundreds of masks fall from the air, there will be panic and chaos and terror as people try in their mind to remember the basic instructions that were given at the beginning. And how someone told you to get ready for that moment, that if it happens, here's how you respond. Now, now, in a cabin depressurization situation, you've got oxygen leaving the plane. And so you have just a minute amount of seconds before you suffer from hypoxia. Is that the right term, Kim? I get it. Okay. So oxygen leaves... And, and you become delirious. You are, you, I mean, you will feel completely normal, but it's like you would just be completely useless. If you don't get the oxygen mask on, you will die, and quickly. Now, your instinct, especially if you have children, your instinct in that moment, will be, pull the mask down, get it on, Grace, get it on, Tyler. But that's not the right thing to do. They say, get your mask on. Because if you don't get your mask on, you'll be useless to anyone else. And then in that moment, there will be people who forget the instructions. And they're messing with their children's masks. And then they lose oxygen and they become delirious. And they can't help them and they can't help themselves. All because they failed to heed the instructions. that were so necessary and so crucial. Without Christ, you are not ready for the judgment day. I, I don't know how clearly I can say it, but let me, let me give you Jesus' instructions in Mark 16, starting in verse 15. That's what he told the apostles. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, here's the question. Have you obeyed what Jesus said to do? Well, I invited Jesus into my heart. That's not what he said to do. Well, you say, I, I prayed this prayer. With the, that's not what he said to do. What did he say to do? Believe and be baptized and you'll be saved. So my question is, are you ready? Have you followed the instructions? Because the day is coming when those instructions will be very, very important. They're important today, but the question of whether or not you obey those instructions will matter, not just in an illustrative sense, but in an eternal sense. The question then is not really, when was Jesus born? The question is, 
Have you been born again? Have you? Have you obeyed the gospel? And if you're here and you're listening and you're paying attention, you're old enough to understand the words that I'm saying and understand that your sin separates you from God and you are not ready for judgment day, then you need to be in Christ. That's the only way to be ready. And if you're not listening, then you're not probably ready. Now, I'm going to ask something of you, all of you here and all of you watching online. So we've been talking about evangelism, sharing our faith, and things like that. And so today, I want to ask you a special favor from me to you. If you know people who are not ready for the judgment day, I want to ask you to share this sermon. Go on Facebook and share it. Share the YouTube link or whatever you want to do. But I want to ask you, if you're watching right now online, first of all, I want to ask you if you are ready. But the second is, I want to ask you, if you know people who are not ready, I want to ask you to share right now this, this sermon, this message. Because people need to hear it. People need to be ready. Now, if you are listening to this sermon and someone has shared it with you, they gave you the podcast link or they shared the YouTube link or you're watching it now because someone shared it, I want to ask you, are you ready for the judgment day? If if someone has shared it with you, you need to know from their heart and coming through my mouth, from their heart to yours, it is their deepest desire that you be ready for the judgment day. And so according to Mark 16, 16, are you ready? That's the question. So, if you have someone in your life that needs to know Christ, is not ready for the judgment day, and you're too scared to, to, to talk to them yourselves, then let me give you the courage to just share the sermon. And let me point the question to them. The question is, are you ready? Now, once you're ready, once you've believed and put on Christ in baptism, that's just the beginning, okay? There's a, there's a walk, there's a relationship, there's a discipleship commitment that must go on. But once, once you're ready, then what's, what's left? Do we just sit around and sing songs until Jesus comes? Well, we could do that, but Jesus had something else in mind for us, and that was this, to get others ready. Once your mask is on, are you then helping everyone and anyone who's in your row to get their mask on? How selfish of it would, you, would it be of you to have your own mask on and just sit there? And some Christians do that. They just sit there. But what did he say? See, he didn't just say believe and be baptized. He said, go into the whole world and preach the creation. Preach the gospel. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, rather. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that you have that is in you. And yet do this with gentleness and respect. If you're in Christ, your job is to help as many people as possible to get their mask on, and to get ready, and to be ready for the day in which he returns. If you're looking in the scriptures, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 20. 
Paul says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You and I, in Christ, are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. If you're watching the sermon online, we implore you, be reconciled to God. If you share this later on, we implore you, be reconciled to God. There's a lot of people in the world worried about viruses and things like that, and those are very real concerns. But listen, there's a much greater, more eternal, more lasting problem that we have, and it's sin. And the only, the only healing, for the, the only remedy for that is not a vaccine. It's not natural immunity. The only remedy for your eternal problem is Christ Jesus. And we are called to be in him and to be ambassadors for him. On judgment day. I hope you're filled with joy and not with grief and terror. But if you're in Christ, do not be filled with grief for all the people you didn't tell. I'm talking about family members, people you sat around the table with this past Christmas. I'm talking about neighbors. I'm talking about people you have coffee with. I'm talking about coworkers. People need the gospel. Please be an ambassador for Christ. And if you don't know how to do that, it's an easy way to just share the sermon and let someone do the talking for you. But, but we are all ambassadors for Christ, and we need to share that as we get others ready. Now, once your mask on, and as you're helping others, then we just have one, one last thing to do, and that is to stay ready. You see, there will be no second chance at the final judgment. There will be no second chance at the final judgment. As I said, there's not going to be rapture and Armageddon and seven years of fighting. All that's fancy theological stuff as a way of saying, hey, we're all going to have second chances. We're all going to have do-overs. We're all going to have some extra innings. If you're not in Christ, you'll have plenty of time. And the Scripture never says that. When Jesus returns, there are no do-overs, there are no extra innings. When Jesus returns, when He appears, it is game over. No more extra lives, unless you're in Him. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, The day of the Lord... 2 Peter chapter 3, we're in verse 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, come some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but wishing that all should reach repentance. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come, here it is, like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening 
the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus said to some of the churches in the first century in Revelation 3, Behold, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have that no one may seize your crown. You say, well, that was to them 2,000 years ago. And Peter would say, the Lord is not slow as some would count slowness. He wants everyone to come to repentance. We might think he's slow, and sometimes we pray, come Lord Jesus, and he tarries. Do you know why? Because there are people that are going to hell because of their sin. There are people that you know that you haven't told about Christ, and he's waiting. He's waiting for them. Maybe he's waiting for you to share the good news of the hope that we have. You see, someday all this is going to end, and the question is, will you have held on to what you have? Will you have held on? On October, October 1st, 2016, a very strange phenomenon appeared. And it's, it's kind of unusual, and I've got a video clip of it. We'll ask you to bring up the sound. Um, this is what happened almost just a little over five years ago, uh, and this was in Jerusalem. You say, whoa, what was that? My deep theological answer is I have no idea. It wasn't the return of Jesus. But it makes me think a lot about the day when he returns. And in that moment, the world as we know it will change. Everything will change albeit too late. There's a moment in the video when the man taking the video, I think, is like, shh, 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 shh. I think, in my mind's eye anyways, I imagine that day will be filled with terror as people look up and are filled with holy fear and who are figuring out that what the preacher said was true. That they are figuring out that it was, that it was all right. In, in, in that moment, don't you know, kings will bow. In that moment, don't you know that atheists will become believers. In that moment, don't you know that skeptics will now know. In that moment, Christians 
who never said a word about Christ will be saying, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus. In that moment, there will be people breaking into church buildings to be baptized. I still remember the day after 9-11. 9-11 was on a Tuesday. 9-12 was on a Wednesday. We had this kind of a crowd on a Wednesday night. Do you know why? Because God interrupted their lives. On Judgment Day, Christ is going to interrupt your life forever. And in that moment, everything will change. And if you're a Christian, faith will become sight. It will be beautiful. But at that moment, if whether it's a moment like that or if it looks slightly different, all the things that used to matter will not. The stock market will not matter. Oh, it's going to crash pretty significantly, I think. In that moment, how big your house is is not going to matter. In that moment, your politics is not going to matter. In that moment, what will matter is if you are in Christ. Not if you know Jesus, but if Jesus knows you. And what will matter second to you in that moment is if Jesus knows those that you love. Take a second. Most of you are here with family. Look to your left. Don't look at me. Look to your left and look to your right. Are you ready? Is that my time up? Are you ready? Are the people next to you on the pew ready? I hope you'll have a conversation in all seriousness and just say, More than anything, I want you to be ready. Stafford North, uh, who's gone on to his reward, favorite professor of mine, had a saying with his family. It wasn't really a saying, it was just a symbol. He wanted it to be a symbol because he didn't know what his last moments on earth would be like. And he didn't know if he'd be in a hospital bed, be, be able to speak or not. But this was so important to him that he developed a symbol with all of his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids, and it was very simply this. And that thumbs up meant two words, be there. Be there. Be ready. See you on Resurrection Day. And you better be there, and you better be ready. And for that, for those of us in Christ, we long for his returning. And that's what gives a funeral memorial for us. Hope because of his promise, because God always keeps his promise. But this morning, I want to I give you a thumbs up. I want you all to be there. I, I really do. Nothing else matters if you're not there and if you're not ready for that day. So this is my final question for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for when Jesus returns? There's two things you got to do, okay? The first is, if you're not ready, get ready. If you're not ready, you need to get ready today. Over the years, we've kind of slipped into this thing, you know, I think I'll be baptized on this special day. I want to be baptized when everybody, and I understand that, okay? 
But if you believe that Jesus is returning, and understand that it could be this afternoon, I want you to be ready now. And so, if you need to repent of sin today, you need to do that. Anything that you would be ashamed of doing (laughs) when Jesus showed up, that would be a good thing to repent of. If you're not in Christ, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to do that today. You need to be added to the the church today. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Oh, man. If I'm alive when Jesus returns, I'm shutting off my phone. I'll probably get a lot of calls and texts. Hey, can you let me in real quick? I just need to go in and go baptize Jesus back. I know I didn't meant to do it. Listen, buddy, I'm sorry. But it's too late. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The The question was asked to Paul, why do you wait? Arise, get up, be baptized, calling upon the name of the Lord. So get ready today. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to help. If you're ready, I want you to help get others ready. Okay? So you can get out your phones. This is one of the few times. I know none of you have your phones out during worship. That would be the wrong thing to do. Get out your phones now, though. Go ahead, get them out. Go ahead. And I want you to take a picture of that slide. Three simple words. I want you to, to have that picture, not only for you, but I want you to... Share that picture tomorrow on social media. Today, I want you to share the sermon. Tomorrow, I want you to post the question. Now, I had planned (laughs) to have some bracelets. Uh, You may have heard we've got a few supply chain issues. So, we do have bracelets. They are not here today. And so, probably next Sunday, maybe, who knows, (laughs) We're going to have these bracelets, and they'll be free for all of you to get. And I want you to wear them. And it's the simple question, are you ready? And I hope it sparks a conversation with family members and friends and neighbors and the, the clerk at the grocery store. Are you ready? Am I ready? Ready for what? Oh, for that great day, the day when Jesus returns. From a preacher's heart to yours, I beg you, I beg you. Be ready. Don't wait till it's too late. And if you are ready, be diligent about getting others ready. Today, reshare the sermon. If you're watching online, reshare it. And if you're listening, I hope you're ready. And tomorrow, all of you who are watching, I want you to share that question. Are you ready? All right. The message is yours. We're not going to sing this song, but it's the last verse of How Great Thou Art. Jesse mentioned it this morning. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. And then I shall bow in humble adoration, and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. This morning, if you are not ready, it is a good time to be ready. Okay? I, I realize we've gone a little long. Uh, this is on my heart. Okay? And I hope it's on yours. And if you're hearing this message and you're here this morning 
and you need to get ready, we'll take an extra 15 minutes to get you ready. Our shepherds are going to be at the back. They'll be awaiting your response. If you're not ready, now's the time to do it. And if you're watching or listening to this later and you need to get ready and you're not ready, contact the church and we'll help to get you ready. But if you need to respond to get ready, do that this morning. And if you are ready, let's be diligent about making sure as many as possible are ready for that day. It's going to be a great day. God showed up once. He promised to show up again. The question is, are you ready? Let's sing this next song. And together we stand and sing. If you need to respond, head to the back.